It's great to have you all here uh, this morning. And uh, I got to be honest, I absolutely love this sermon series, the whole idea of what are the hills that we're willing to die on? Now, first of all, as an individual, you need to ask yourself that question. What are the non-negotiables, all in, full throttle, you won't back down? What are those beliefs in your life? As an individual, what are those? And then as a church, the church needs to say, we will not back down. We will not waver. There are no compromises. These are the hills we die on. And the hill this morning that we want to talk about is the living Word of God. We are not going to back down from, we believe that this is the authority and God reaching out to us through this Word. We won't back down from that. As my mom used to say, I put my foot down. And uh, for my mom, that wasn't a problem. It was the second foot she put down, and then I knew, time to run. So all of us need to have these areas of our life that we'd say, man, I am not giving in on this. And I just want to share something uh, very personal about why God's Word is more than a book to me. Uh, Marie and I have been on a journey. Uh, our marriage is fine, but don't, don't, don't get in a hurry. But anyway, we went on a journey. actually started in late April. Uh, our family pet, a bandit, died, and, uh, and there was about a six-week stretch where, I mean, it was like an emotional roller coaster. Uh, my brother-in-law died, and I had his funeral. Uh, my brother died, I had his funeral, and in between all of that, our youngest daughter, Danielle, got married, and uh, I mean, every day was just this extreme emotion, and my guess is that some of you in the room right now, that's the season you're in, and when you're going through that kind of a season, this has to become more than a book. It has to be God's breath and life. And as you read it, you're saying, God, I need you and I cling to you right now. And these promises, they're not Sunday school lessons anymore. It's life lessons. Now, this is a hill that we're willing to die on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And um, first of all, we just want to thank you that you love us so much that you sent us the word, your son, to die for us. And that these pages that we turn in our lives are not just for information, they really are for transformation of our hearts. Thank you for loving us so much. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. You know, it's interesting if you think there's only two things that live forever, our souls and God's word. Think of Isaiah. Uh, 440 verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God lives forever. And here's the sad truth. When churches begin to drift and waver away from God's living word, and they start instead investing more into man-made traditions, it's just a matter of time those churches are going to die because they're taking the very life of God out of the churches. Here's some alarming uh, statistics from uh, James McDonald, who is uh, the leader of the Walking in the Word ministry and also leads out in the Harvest, uh, huge movement in Chicago, the Harvest churches all over the world. Of the 250,000 Protestant churches in America, 200,000 are stagnant where there is no growth or they are declining. 4,000 churches are closing their doors every single year. 3,500 people are leaving the Protestant churches every day. And here's the one is mind-numbing. The United States is the second most missionary-receiving nation in the world. In other words, the world is saying, 
This nation spiritually is in serious trouble. Why? Because we're slowly fading away from the authority of God's word. It's time for the church to stand up and say, we're going to die for this. Because we believe it's God's voice for us. Not yesterday, it's God's voice for us today. It reminds me of the value of God's word. Uh, when I heard this story that I heard about uh, Jeff Foxworthy. I'm sure you're, you saw that coming, didn't you? That we we're going to talk about Jeff Foxworthy. Now, if you don't know who he is, uh, his fame grew out of, you might be a redneck. And so let me just share a few of these uh, spiritual gems. You, <laughs> you might be a redneck if you think a chainsaw is a musical instrument. If, you might be a redneck if your mother has ammo on her Christmas list. And here's my favorite one. You might be a redneck if your wife's hairdo has ever ruined a ceiling fan. That might be a redneck. But Jeff Foxworthy is more than just a comedian. Uh, he really is sold out to Christ. And uh, he was leading a Bible study uh, at a homeless shelter. And Foxworthy said uh, they could care less that he was Jeff Foxworthy. And the first two lessons absolutely bombed. By the third lesson, he thought, man, I need to try something totally different. So he asked a question, which, by the way, is the best thing to do in, in a new group is ask questions. Jesus, in the book of Matthew alone, asked 80 questions. And here was this question, why does this book, and he held up his Bible, why does this book matter? And a guy in the back said, I want to tell you why it matters to me. He said, years ago, my life was, was pretty good. And the most important relationship in my life was my mom. She cherished me. She loved me. Matter of fact, when I was a child, she gave me a Bible. And in that Bible, she wrote a note to me that went along with the Bible that told me that God loved me, that she loved me. God believed in me. She believed in me. It meant everything. But he said, then when my mom died unexpectedly, uh, my life spun out of control, and then I received an inheritance from her of $70,000. I'd never seen that kind of money, and I started to party like I never partied before. He said, I found a couple of women, and when you find a couple of women, you lose your marriage. I didn't go to work, and when you don't go to work, you lose your job, and when you get addicted to heroin, eventually you'll lose $70,000 and everybody around you quickly. I had hit rock bottom. He said, then I came to this shelter and a guy came in and he said, I believe in second chances. Does anybody need a job? And I raised my hand and I said, I'll do anything. He said, I just need you to clean some apartments. And he said, I must be pretty good at it because after a while, he made me a manager and I had a team and we went all over the Atlanta area. And he said, in this crazy season of my life, I was 100 miles from Atlanta, and I was cleaning this apartment complex. We got everything done. We were getting ready to leave, and I'm going through the last room, and I saw this big pile of stuff. And uh, I looked at the guys. I said, you got to clean this up before we leave. And they said, no, no, this is, this, this is valuable. We think we can sell some of this stuff. And he walked over, and he looked down in that rubble, and he realized something. In that crazy time of his life, he'd actually lost the Bible that his mother had given him. Think about that. And he looked in that rubble, and there was that Bible, 100 miles from Atlanta. And he shook it, and the letter fell out. He just fell on his knees, and he started crying in front of his men. And he realized at that moment, I love what he said at this Bible study, if God is chasing me this hard, I have to stop running.
Maybe some of you this morning are running right now. And you desperately need God. And maybe you at one time believed in this, but you're wavering. And God is just trying to wake you up. His word truly is alive. His word is reaching out to you this morning, I guarantee, if you're running. You know the story. You've heard it as a child. A guy named Moses climbs this mountain called Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 and 20. And when he got to the top of that mountain, God gave him commandments, 10 of them. And he brought those down to the nation of Israel. And it was upon that foundation that he started to literally build a moral code into a nation. And it wasn't just for them, it was for us. The living word of God means everything. Matter of fact, it means so much, we need to step back as believers sometime and simply ask ourselves, what are the things in life we cannot live without? What are the things you cannot live without? Now, the obvious big three are air, water, food. And it's the, it's the law of threes. Uh, three minutes you can survive without air, three days without water, three weeks without food. But what are the other areas of your life that you cannot live without? And I, I thought about that. And, you know, in my life, I would have to say it's a matter of the season of life that I'm in. I mean, I know those three are critical, but what are the other areas? For example, when I was a teenager, here's what I couldn't live without. Baseball and girls. I was a very spiritual young man. Not always in that order, but that was it. In my 20s, it was Marie, my wife, and my job. Sadly, not always in that order. In my 30s, it was our family, our kids, and my job. And again, not always in that order. And now in my 50s, what I can't live without is my recliner and my remote control. Can I have an amen? Yeah. As you get older, you get simpler. You know, the simple things in life. But honestly, what is it in your life you can't live without? Because if you're a Christ follower, you got to step back and say, I can't live without this living word of God. I can't just pick it up once a week and just, just mess with it. I mean, this has to get a hold of me. So you need to know, I believe what John Wooden said, that we need to drink deeply from good books, especially the Bible. And at Sherwood Oaks, we want to give you opportunities to drink deeply from God's Word. One of those you've heard time and time again this morning, and that is, please get involved in a life group. No matter who you are, get involved in a life group. We have nearly 100 life groups in all of our campuses and uh, we're going to just, in a few weeks, start launching more and more life groups. Why? Because in those small communities, you begin to not only form a community, but that community begins living out the Word of God. It's taking this Word and putting it into everyday life. On Wednesday night, starting August 23rd, uh, we have a huge outreach, and it's for all ages. We have an amazing Awana ministry for our kids we have a ministry to our men and our women, to the women. I, I work with our guys here. It's called Discipleship Revolution. And the whole mission of that is to take the, God, the Word of God, to pour it into men's lives, to break them into smaller groups, and really just hold each other accountable because this Word matters so much. And then one of the, the missions and values you're going to hear a lot in the future here at Sherwood Oaks is mentoring across generations. Some of you have been in the Bible for decades you know the Bible inside and out. And to be honest, you don't need another Bible study. You need to take God's word and you need to invest in somebody young in your life. You need to mentor someone. 
Think about a time in your life when you were young and you were struggling spiritually. If somebody would have approached you and said, would you mind if I come alongside with you and live life with you and let me invest in you and allow God's word to be demonstrated for you and lived out? What would that have meant to you when you were young? So no matter what age you are, you can make an impact with others if you'll let God's word truly get a hold of you. So this morning, I simply want to look at why the Bible is a hill worth dying on. Now, if you're taking notes, first of all, is that the Bible communicates the story of atonement. Follow with me in Isaiah chapter 53, starting in verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep that have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity for us all. Hebrews 7, 27, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of his people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he was offered himself. From Genesis to Revelation, there's this theme, and that is Jesus Christ and his blood was an atonement for everybody here today. All of us. His blood was the atonement for all of us. The Bible's central message is simply this. God wants to reconcile humankind. His bridge is the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. It's the atonement that all of us need. I love in John 1, 29 and Jesus is beginning his public ministry. And as he walks into the water and he sees the eyes of John the Baptist, what does John the Baptist say? Behold the what? Lamb of God. He got it. John the Baptist saw Jesus and he knew, you're the lamb that must be slaughtered for us. You're the lamb that Isaiah says must be pierced for our sins and our iniquities. It's through your blood that we will be saved. Jesus Christ laid it all on the cross for us. And this book just tells that story from Genesis to Revelation that man desperately needs a savior because man just keeps screwing it up. I mean, honestly, even the greatest leaders in the Bible can't save themselves. Abraham was a great leader, but he was a liar. Moses was a great leader, but he killed a man. David was a great leader, but he committed adultery. Paul was an amazing leader, but he said, I'm the worst of all sinners. So guess what? We can't save ourselves. We need the blood of Jesus Christ. I was reading on the website, to, uh, the Red Cross, every two seconds in the United States, someone needs blood. In a car accident, a terrible car accident, it's not uncommon that the victim may need as much as 100 pints of blood to survive. And then one of their values at the Red Cross, just listen to this. Blood cannot be manufactured. It can only come from generous donations. Now, do you catch that? Blood cannot be manufactured. Let me tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ cannot be manufactured. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are forgiven. Atonement. And the message is because of Christ. A few months ago, on the west side, we had a, a service near Christmas. And it was, uh, honestly, it's the most memorable service we've had out there. And it was, it was a worship in the round. 
uh, Jason Thompson and our media team. They just did a great job of setting that room up in this big circle. And the worship was led from the middle of the circle. And then uh, I got to co-teach with Toba Wingard, one of our elders. And we just got a chance to walk around that circle. And it was just such an intimate worship experience. And uh, Tobin shared something, boy, and it just really has stuck with me. He said, when I was in the Holy Lands with his wife, Janet, uh, he said that the tour guide uh, walked right in front of a sheep pen, and he laid in front of that sheep pen. And he said, now, I want you to understand, when you read the Bible, it says the, the shepherd will die for the sheep. This is what he does. He literally lays in front of the gate. But he said, these aren't just everyday sheep. These are the sheep, the perfect sheep that have been chosen from all these tribes and these are the sheep that are going to be used for the Passover. In other words, that shepherd is willing to die for the sheep that are going to be sacrificed at the Passover. See, that's exactly what Christ did for us. He was willing to lay down his life. He was the sacrificial lamb. Revelation 5, starting in verse 5, it says, And then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Do you see that the lion of Judah, that the root of, the, of David has triumphed? He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And listen to this. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. The identity of Jesus never changes. He is the atoning lamb of God for everybody here today. It's all about Jesus. But I tell you what I love, the other thing about this amazing book and why it's so much more in a book is that it communicates the ever-reaching love of God. It just communicates God's love for us. Now, life is marked by, I think, life events. And there's a couple of life events that uh, we go through. One is Christmas. And uh, when your kids become adults, Christmas changes. You know, when they were small, it was a big surprise, and it was just wonderful, and you can watch It's a Wonderful Life, and you can buy them a bunch of cheap stuff. They don't know. But anyway, then they, as they grow, and now when they're adults, hasn't the game completely changed? I mean, serious. Santa Claus, he has a new name. His name is Amazon. I mean, the kids, <laughs> they give you their list, and then you get their list. You buy exactly what they want. Then we wrap it. And then they act surprised. It's like, oh, let's be honest. It's a sham. It's a sham, you know. And so uh, Marie does pretty much most of the, well, okay, Marie does all of the Christmas stuff at our house. So anyway, one Christmas I thought, um, this is three years ago. I thought, you know what? I really want to give the kids something special. And I thought about what I shared with you at the very beginning of this message. There's only two things that live forever, our souls and the word of God. So that I'm just going to buy a note taker's Bible for each one of the kids. And in the inside, I'm going to write a lot of the quotes over the years that have really inspired me. And, uh, and then inside the Bible, I bought a bunch of these little stickers uh, that were anchors. And throughout the Bible, each one of them, I just put a little anchor and I wrote them a little note. And I highlighted scriptures that in my lowest points of life, in my highest points of life, those words just came out of the page and went straight in my heart and I wanted to give them those words because I thought when I'm dead, I hope someday they'll go through their Bibles and someday be encouraged by this living word of God. Now, I'm like any man in that I don't like to cry in front of my kids and I remember as they opened it and they could see that I'd wrote, and I also wrote a letter to them about how much money they owed me over the years and I, I put all that in it. 
And as they were reading, uh, especially my girls, they, they looked through a couple pages and they sat it down. And months later, I heard them talking and they said, we were going to read some more, but we knew dad would be a basket case. <laughs> I don't even like my kids. So, <laughs> so let me issue a challenge to every one of you here today. Before Christmas, I want you to pray about one person that you can give a Bible to. It's the greatest gift you could give anyone. And inside, why don't you write while you're giving them the living word of God. And then get out of the way and let God do what only God can do. That's a challenge for all of us here today. And then I want to share with you a story about a wedding. Uh, for those of you that were at the county fair last week uh, uh, for the West Side, I apologize because I shared this uh, last week, but it, to me, is a demonstration of the love that Christ has for us. Uh, Francis Chan, uh, a few years ago, had a wedding at his church, and it was for a woman named Jean. And Jean was such a, a special person in the church because she had battled so many just difficult areas of her life, and she was an inspiration of hope. And so what happened is um, Francis showed up early, and he said she, she, Jean could not wait to tell him all about this guy that loved her named Rick. And she said, Francis, we were in pre-marriage counseling. And I got to be honest, I don't know why that guy stuck around. I don't know why he loves me so much. But in counseling, I told him, I said, Rick, I'm an old woman. I mean, when I smile, look at all these wrinkles. And he looked at me and goes, oh, Gene, they're not wrinkles. Those are dimples. I mean, this dude had it bad, you know. And then she said, but seriously, you know I have a daughter, April. And April's got so many needs. She's 28 years old, and she has the mind of a six-year-old. It's hard. And just so you know, the last guy didn't stick around, and he said, oh, no, no, I'm in this for the long haul. So in the, the wedding ceremony, Francis Chan uh, did the vows and the rings. And he got close to the end, and he said, I have one more thing. And uh, they had a maid of honor, April, and a best man. It was a very simple wedding. And he reached in his pocket, and he said, April, I want you to know that this ring is for you. That today, Rick wants you to know that he loves you. And he wants you to be a part of his family. Chan said everybody lost it. You know why? Because that's the church. That's us. And he said, April, let out the loudest shrill you can even imagine. And she bounded up the steps, and she just threw her arms around Rick. And all she could say over and over was, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I think of all the times that I need to say that to Christ. Man, I just love you so much because there are times I don't know why he loves me. And I guarantee there's times you don't know either. And some of you this morning, that's all I want you to know is you are loved Romans 8, 37 and 39 simply says this. You just know these things, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons or the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height or death, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord and some of you came here this morning and you've had a brutal season of your life. Maybe you're at a job that you absolutely can't stand. 
Maybe some of you are in a relationship that is toxic and you just need to know that you are loved. For some of you, you may sense, does God really care about me? And you need to know you are absolutely loved. Every page of this book leads you to the cross and every page of this book leads you to this absolute, non-negotiable fact. Jesus Christ loves you. Don't leave here today not knowing that he loves you. Every one of you, he loves you. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.